Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, everybody, we're going to continue our series today, My Flip and Family. We do me a favor and welcome those that are watching on Facebook today. Give them a big hand clap for being with us today, those on the online family. And uh, I've had fun the last couple weeks sharing, and uh, today we're going to share on a topic that I believe is relevant for our generation. It's not something that you hear about a lot in church, um, because I think there's preachers and pastors and churches that are scared to talk about this subject, but what they don't really realize is everybody's doing it. And so today we're going to talk along the lines of sex. However, we're going to talk along the lines of godly sex. And um, some of you, uh, it's, it's, it's going to get spicy. And so, wait, <laughs> must have had a good Saturday. <laughs> um, and so, but introdu- <laughs> introduction today is simply this. I have two goals and it's this. The first one is listen for yourself, not for someone else. Okay, so don't look at your neighbor, your spouse. He's talking to you. Don't do that today. And secondly, we're not going to look backwards. We're going to look forward. If there's things that's happened in your life concerning this subject that has brought scars, that has brought regret, that has brought grief, that has brought shame, today I believe there'll be healing. And uh, you say, well, why, why are you already starting to get emotional about this subject? Because it brings scars. It, bring, it brings emotional issues. And you're going to have an opportunity to see how, outside the context of marriage, how this can be detrimental for you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to look at that. So if you're single in the room, pay attention. If you're married, pay attention. If you don't know what you are, see Sean Walker. He'll help you out. Okay? <laughs> Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say body. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So he's saying, present your body to God, your your soma, everything that you are to God, and, and it's a spiritual act of worship. Then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the thing I I think about this passage in relating to sex as we talk about this today is, is this, is you've had a view of this subject for a long time. And, and some people, you hear the word sex and people are like, ooh, that's, that's, ooh, that's this, or, or, uh, or it brings pain, or it brings grief, or it brings struggle. Well, I believe God wants to transform you in this subject. I believe God wants to see because we, we think, well, does God really care? Uh-huh. Adam and Eve had children. He cares. That's how that works. It's called the birds and the bees, everybody. And so that's how that works. And so God wants us to be transformed because he wants us to live in freedom in this area. Why do you think there's a 55, here I go. Why do you think there's a $55 billion industry called pornography? It's because it's capturing the hearts of people and it's taking their minds and scientifically proving that it's creating new roadmaps in our brains to where the default becomes that issue. 
And what we have to understand is that's not God's plan for you. God has a plan for you, and it's transformation. That you would not be bought into the world system when it comes to, the, well, I just can't help myself. I, I, you can, I promise. I'll, I'm going to show you how you can. Transformation. He says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I've got good news for you today. God created sex, not the devil. Not the world, not, not Hollywood. God created it. Thank you for your amens today. I know you're paying attention. You're waiting for that moment where you turn red and start sweating. I know, I'm with you. You haven't, listen to me, you haven't experienced anything in this area until you do it God's way. You, you haven't experienced the level of what God has for you because there's purity in it. Between a man and a woman, there is a purity in it. As long as we're not including things of the world into our lives and into our relationships, it, it is a pure thing that God is looking for. So I want to give you some sex lies this morning first. Sex lies. Before we get to godly sex, I want to give you some sex lies. Listen to Romans 1, verse 21 says, They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. That's interesting. That's for a whole other day. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. As a result, they did vile, listen to this, vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. He said in Romans 1, he said, they were experimenting, they were doing things with their bodies that was full of vile and degrading. And I could go into the Old Testament types of this stuff. There's stuff in the Old Testament that, that in the Old Testament, sex was a predominant way of which idol worship happened. When you would worship Baal in the Old Testament, literally what would happen is there would be what they called orgies around the sacrifice during times of worshiping of Baal. So, so sex has a, 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 a negative side and it has a positive side and God wants us to be transformed in these things because the enemy's lied to you. He's given you lies and he desires to twist the truth. He desires to think that if you live by a feeling that you will be satisfied. See, the enemy's come and he's presented a counterfeit. This is the word that God continues to, to ramp up in my heart about today is some of you bought into counterfeit. You bought into counterfeit, and counterfeit is this. It's an imitation of something else with intent to deceive. It may look the same. It may feel the same. You may think it's the same, but it's not the same because it leads to deception and destruction. And so God today wants to expose the enemy. He wants to let you know that he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. He's hated the truth because there is no truth in him. So when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He presents counterfeit to you. So here's some lies about Sex, some sex lies. First off, sex, this is a lie. Sex is an animalistic action. An animalistic action. Here's what I mean by that. Feeling based. So, um, I don't know if there's any hunters in the room or not.
But there's something in deer season called rut season. And, and rut season is mating season for deer. Now, bucks, you have to understand something about bucks. Bucks, they're pretty chill. They kind of just hang out in the dark, and they kind of move through the woods real slow when it's not rut season. But the minute rut season comes around, these fools lose their mind. And I mean, they got those, those antlers, those, the, those things on, what are those things called? Help me out. What? Antlers. Okay, they have these antlers on there. I was going to call them something else, but I didn't want to. Uh, antlers. And so all of a sudden, you'll see during, during this season of rutting that these dudes, they're just crazy. They'll just start swinging. They'll go up to the tree like it did something wrong to them. And it, it's a, it's a, it really looks like they're sexually frustrated. Is they're taking their, they're just kind of, they're going, and they'll fight each other over it during this season. They see some doe walking by. What's up, girl? There she goes, and all of a sudden, they're just like, what the? And they'll fight each other for it. Okay? They're, they're, you're not an animal. So when it comes to this idea of sex, you're not an animal, which means you can control yourself. That means that you, can, you don't have to operate according to feelings. Come on, somebody. You're not an animal. It's not like, oh, there she goes. I mean, it's like you can control yourself. Amen. You are not what you feel. You are who God says you are. Number two lie is sex is a recreational activity. It's not, it's not like playing baseball. It's not like football. What is it? It is a, it, God intended that it be a union between a man and a woman. That it be something deeper than a recreational activity. It is something of intimacy at the highest level that God ordained that it be holy, not filled with a bunch of junk from the world. Come on, somebody. It's, rec it's not a recreational activity. Number three lie is it's an isolated event. If you're single in the room, or you once were single and now you're married. You think, well, you know, when you're single, maybe you've had multiple partners. Uh, there's no condemnation. God's grace is sufficient. But you think it's just an act. And I can just do it and be done with it. Uh-uh. You leave a part of who you are internally with that moment. And from that moment, you take a part of it with you. And it creates a stronghold in you. And then when you stand, if you're single, if you stand at the, 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 the place of covenant and vow with the one that you're going to marry for the rest of your life, you're like, I give my whole heart to you, baby. My whole heart belongs to you. But you got six women that you've slept with that are lined up behind you in the invisible. Where's it at? It's in your heart and it's in your mind. And you're saying, you're all I got. Hold on a second. There's things that in those moments that, that attract and attach to you. So it's not, it's not an isolated event. It's not an on-off event. You can't just do it and forget about it. Number four, sex is just physical. It's a lie. Sex is not just physical. Sex is spiritual. It is a spiritual thing. And I will prove it to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But here's the issue is you're so in tune with the natural, you don't even understand how deep spiritually sex goes. Because you're basing all of sex on a feeling or frequency. You're not basing it on what the Spirit of God says about it in the Word of God, that you, you are solely basing it upon a part of your body called the body or the soul. 
you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And most of the time in this issue, we only focus on the body. We only focus on the soul. We never think, well, when I, when I interact in this way with somebody, that I'm the, it's a spiritual union. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6.15 says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Listen to how he says this. Never. Do you not know that he who, he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? What, notice what he said. He didn't say, the, notice what he said. He said you're going to become one. Then he says, for it's written the two will become one flesh. You heard that before? That's in Galatians 5 in the context of marriage. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Well, wait, what's this have to do with anything? What he's trying to tell you is sex is not an isolated event. It is a spiritual moment that takes place in your life, and that if you do it outside of the context of marriage, there is a spiritual union with every person that you lay down with. Now I'm talking. And when you're married and you're pure and you're holy, all of a sudden now there's a spiritual union that goes way deeper than just, than just superficial, physical moments in the bed. It is a spiritual union that goes much deeper. He says, he says the two will become one flesh. Listen, real love is defined by a commitment to a person, not a feeling. Hence the word rent to own. You say, well, why'd you title it Rent to Own? It's because a lot of times we want to try things out before we actually have to have a commitment to it. Real love is a commitment to a person, not a commitment to a feeling. Because when you get married, there's going to be days 7, 8, 9, and 10 where you feel like you've lost that love and feeling. And you're going to have to make a decision because love is not a feeling. You make a decision to love because it is an action word. It is not a feeling word. Well, I just fell in love. No, you didn't. You decided to love. Well, I just fell out of love. No, you didn't. You decided to fall out of love. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Real love is defined by a commitment to a person, not a feeling. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says. Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. Anything outside the context of marriage... Or even in the context of marriage where you're introducing things into your life and your mind that maybe your spouse doesn't know about. Maybe you're introducing yourself to pornography at night while she's laying in bed. Hear me, gentlemen. Hear me, ladies. Here's why I say that is because he says here in the word of God, run from it. No other sin. No other sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. Flee, run for. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The most holy thing on the earth is the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again for real, he lives in you. Now, if you're just a churchgoer and not surrendered your life, you can't apply this verse. Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He says, the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor 
God with your body. You must honor God with your body. Why? Because he paid an ultimate price for you. See, the enemy wants to twist it, but God wants to give you the real deal. He wants to give you the truth. And here's some truths about godly sex. First off, you understand men and women are different. <laughs> You're different, okay? And here's what I mean by that. When it comes to sex, men are like microwaves. You hit the 30-second button, and we're ready to go. Women, they're like crock pots, like eight hours. Like, come on, sister. <laughs> My wife's in the back today, so it's about to get real. Here we go. Here's what I mean by different. Women are motivated by what they hear, and men are motivated by what they see. That's why men, men's brains, like when they, they see you coming to bed looking sexy, I mean, it's, they're ready to go. And you're like, <laughs> you're just getting started, okay? We're very different in how this happens. The, 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 the issue is, it, is this, is that in Song of Solomon, that's where we're going to go. And, and as, I, as I think about that for just a minute, here's the problem with it, is men are not good with words. But women require words in order to have an effective, godly, sexual moment with you, words are required. And, and some of you are like, what the heck is he talking about? I'll get to you in just a minute. The Song of Solomon says it this way. In, in chapter 4, in the first four chapters of Song of Solomon, and we're going to go into Song of Solomon right now. It's the love chapter. It's the love book, okay? And Song of Solomon chapter 4, leading up to this moment in Song, Song of Solomon chapter 4, that the woman has done 75% of the talking. For four chapters, she's done 75% of the talking, and then in chapter 4, the next 11, Verses, guys, I'm just telling you right now, read these 11 verses. The, gym, the guy picks up in these 11 verses, and he starts to talk about his wife. He starts to, he starts to make um, um, reference to things about her, and here's, here's, how it, here's how it looks. Because in chapter 1, this woman stresses about her beauty. She is concerned about her self-image. She, and she says things in chapter 1, sure, she says, I don't want him to look at me a certain way because I'm dark. Here's what it meant back then was that she had been in the sun so long working that her body had become calloused. So yes, from the sun it was dark, but it had become callous, so it wasn't smooth, and so it, it was rough, and he's, she's, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't believe in herself. She didn't think that she was valuable to him in chapter 1. And she had a low self-esteem, and literally... She was very hard on herself in these moments. And I know, ladies, <clears throat> I'm not one, but I can, can speak for you just for a second, that I know that there's issues sometimes in this area where we don't like ourselves, where we don't like what we see in the mirror, where, where, where we compare ourselves to somebody else's Instagram feed, and, and all of a sudden now we don't like what we see, and there's this self-esteem issue that happens. Men, you need to be aware of this. But listen, listen what happens, is that 
women are much harder on their bodies than men are. Now, here's what Song of Solomon says in, in chapter 4. We pick up with his words. Keep that in mind, the context of how she sees herself. Here's what he says. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. So he starts off this conversation with ignoring everything she says about herself. And he, he starts to go into this thought pattern of, baby, you're beautiful. You're my girl. You're my wife. And all of a sudden, he starts to tell her how beautiful she is. Now, here's what happens, gentlemen. He starts to comment her. He starts at the top of her body and begins to work his way down in this chapter. You ready? Okay. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. So they would wear a veil. You lift the veil. You see the eyes. And he starts talking about how beautiful and pure her eyes are. Then he moves on and he says, your hair. This is a comment, guys. You need to really pay attention to this comment. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Girl, you look good today. You look like a flock of goats. Descending from Mount Gilead. And what would happen is he's comparing her to the dark sheep and the white sheep when they would come down the hill of Mount Gilead. It looks like a pure, when the white sheep would come down, it would look like a pure flow, is what he was saying. He was saying there's purity there. Then he says, your teeth. <laughs> your teeth are like a flock of sheep, just shorn, coming up from the washing. You look good, girl. Them teeth are sparkly. He's commenting her. I know it sounds funny in Bible language, but... And then he says this. He says, each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Keep moving. <clears throat> your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. So can you see this guy? He's like, girl, your hair looks like a flock of goats. Girl, your teeth is white. You've been using that white out stuff. And now all of a sudden I get down to your, to your mouth. Whew, it pretty. It's red, it's beautiful, it's juicy. I mean, you think about it, this is kind of what he's doing. But she hates herself, and he's, he's complimenting her. And then, and then he goes on down, and he says, your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate, like they're rosy. Like your temples, you're beautiful, you're shining. Then he says, this is a great one, gentlemen. Your neck is like the Tower of David. Here's what this means. Built with elegance on it, hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Here's, here's what that means. You're a woman of strength. You're a woman of elegance. So instead, at the beginning part of this encounter that he's having with his wife, he starts off with talking about how beautiful she is. Gentlemen, that's very different from a microwave mentality. Very different. He had to really think about how he's going to process this. Now, here's what you have to understand. Number one about godly sex, as we see in this verse, godly sex is affirming. Before physical, it must be affirming. Here's why. When it's not affirming, it's devaluing. Men, your words matter. Publicly and privately, your words matter. Your words of affirmation. Ladies, your words matter to him. Downgrading him and talking about 
him and, 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 and always on him constantly with your words is not affirming. Okay? So then, then he goes on to, to, to say, men, your words matter, but women are affirmed in who they are. Listen, women are affirmed in who they are, so that's how he starts this. He's affirming her in who she is, and then men, we're affirmed in what we do. boy. You did it, boy. You did a good job. I see you coming in from work every day looking sweaty. You know, you did it. You, 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 you accomplished this goal. You accomplished this for our family. All of a sudden, ladies, ladies, I'm telling you right now, you want to see the buck crazy? <laughs> Say words. How successful he is. How, his, how he's got a six-pack, even though he's got a keg. Come on, call those things that are not as though they are. Come on. You got to be affirming. <laughs> Song of Solomon. So they have, first thing about godly sex, it needs to be affirming. Affirming who they are and men affirming what they do. Second verse is this in 4 5. He says, Your breasts are like two fawns. So again, he's working his way down the body. Okay? Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Here's what this means. Okay? Point two is this, godly sex is tender. Why did he use two fawns? It's because fawns are gentle. He says, your breasts are like two fawns in a field. They're just real, they're just real tender. They're gentle. He's saying that your actions are like that. And so all of a sudden, he starts to compare that. Here's why, gentlemen. It's because when you walk up to a fawn, you can't walk up like this. Hey! You can't, you can't do that. You're gonna, they're going to run. Now let me go back to what I just said. Her two breasts are like fawns. Uh, you can't just walk up and go, hey, baby, it's time to go, whoa. You know, you got it. Well, easy, big tiger, you. Okay? God's sex is tender. Listen, do nothing that devalues her. Now, I'm going to make a statement that might rub, rub some of you the wrong way. Be creative, but be proper. Whips are not tender. I'm just being honest. It's sick. Fifty Shades of Grey is not something that you should be reading when it comes to godly sex. I know what I'm talking about. Godly sex is tender. Number Psalm, uh, Song of Solomon 4, 6 says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Notice what he says, until the day breaks. You guys thought Lionel Richie wrote all night long. Song of Solomon wrote it. All night long. No, he's like, until the day breaks, girl. We, we, until the day breaks. Okay? Now, we all know from a guy's standpoint, it ain't until the day breaks. Amen. Here's what this means. Number three is godly sex is passionate. And here's, here's what he's trying to communicate. The reason he says until the day breaks and the shadows flee, he said because passion takes effort. If you want to have a passionate sex life with the one that you committed to for the rest of your life, you have to understand it takes effort. Here's what I mean by that. Ladies, stop coming to bed in those nightgowns that look like space suits. <laughs> 
with your hoodie and your sweats on and go, well, we don't really have a lot of sex in my house because, well, you, you showed up in your Nike outfit. Girl, get you something. Get you something different. Something different. Look different when you walk in. There's passionate. I guarantee you walk in something different other than the Nike outfit. <laughs> There'll be passion. Listen, the devil will offer you an easier counterfeit that will destroy you. Here's what I mean by that. Godly sex is passionate. The enemy brings in other thoughts and ideas as a counterfeit for the real passion that you're supposed to have for the one that you love. Godly sex is passionate. Song of Solomon 4.7 says, All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Again, in chapter 1, she feels flawed. But he says to her, listen, listen what he says. When you, when you hear the word flaw, here's what he says. You're the standard. Girl, you the standard. Ain't nobody else like you. I ain't looking to the left. I ain't looking to the right. Why? Because number four, godly sex is secure. He says flaw. He looks at her and he says, there's no flaw. There's no spot. There's no blemish. There's no defect about you. And don't just think physically. Think mentally, emotionally. He's saying, listen. He said, there's no flaw in you. There's no blemish. Because number four, godly sex is secure. What's that mean? She needs to feel secure emotionally. She needs to feel secure physically. She needs to feel secure mentally. She needs to feel secure materially. Come on, somebody. If you're single out here and you're a lady and you're trying to hook up, look, do me a favor. Don't marry a man that don't have a job. Why is that? Long before Adam had Eve, he had a job. He had to tend the garden. Why? Because God wants the ladies to feel secure. He wants there to be material security. Now, godly sex is secure. Now listen to me for just a minute. There are men that are married. Now I'm going to say this because this is something in my study time that I just feel like I need to get out there, so hang on, okay? There are men who treat other women differently than they treat their wife. You can watch them hardly interact with their wife until another woman walks up. Now all of a sudden you're chatty Cathy. Your interaction with another woman other than your wife is different than it is with your wife. Can I tell you something? Be very, very careful because if you change your behavior to act differently than you do with your wife, you're bordering an emotional affair. Well, she's just much easier to talk to. You need to get saved. We're not sitting down and dialoguing with another lady. That's not happening. That doesn't bring security. You are on the verge of an emotional affair. And listen to me. If you are intoxicated on the comments of another woman other than your wife, you have emotional attachment to that person.
you are not making her feel secure in all aspects of her life. Listen, your wife needs to know from you guys there is no flaw in her. There is no flaw in her. In other words, I don't have to hide from you because you value me. When it comes to security, I don't have to hide from you because you value me. There's a, there's a flow of intimacy that takes place as you value one another. And as you value one another, all of a sudden there comes this spiritual depth of intimacy that you've never experienced before until this moment. Security is one of the highest levels of passion that you can get to. When you feel secure, if you're bashing your wife for her looks, if you're making fun of her in public, ladies, if you're downgrading him in front of his friends, stop. He says there's no flaw in you. She thinks that he values her. Godly sex is secure. Song of Solomon 4, 9 through 11, I'm going to close with this last point. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. Guys, just read this tonight. Listen to what he says. He says, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. I feel like I could rap at any moment. With one jewel of your necklace, how delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. He goes back into that moment and he starts to talk about spices and he starts talking about perfume. Listen, then he says this. This is the first physical contact. Here it comes. Here's the first physical. Everything else up until this point has simply been words. First physical contact. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb. My bride, milk and honey, honey are under your tongue. Yep, that's what it said. The French did not invent this. <laughs> Sweetness on your lips, milk and honey on your, under your tongue. Song of Solomon 4.12 says, You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a steel fountain. Here's what he's saying. You waited for me. Listen to the purity of these words. This is not what the world talks about. There is no purity in emotion when it comes to this issue among the world. Listen to what he says. You waited for me. Number five is this. Godly sex is holy. It's holy. God has a standard. Well, well pastor, you don't know my past. I don't need to know your past. I need you to know that you've been forgiven. Well, you, you understand the struggles that I constantly go through with knowing all the different partners, and I'm, I'm currently married, and I'm struggling with some of those thoughts, or, or I can't seem to have that full attention in my, current, in my, in my marriage, and, 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 and things just don't seem right in this area. It's because you've done it the world's way. Listen to what he says. God has a standard. 
listen, Jesus died for the pain and guilt of every area of your life. If there's a pain attached to this, ladies, if you're in this room and you're like, man, I just don't feel valued by my husband, there's pain attached to that statement. Jesus can heal that pain. And men, wake up. Pay attention. Because your words matter. It's, it's not enough. Listen, listen, it's not enough just for Jesus to forgive. There has to be healing from your words. If, if, she, if she doesn't feel valued by you, but she feels forgiven by God, there is a contradictory uh, revelation going on here. She's forgiven by God, but you valuing her brings healing into her heart and her mind. Well, that's Jesus's job, isn't it? I can be a jerk and Jesus will heal her. No, you will undo what Jesus is trying to do. And matter of fact, your heart's wrong. So you need to get your heart with, right with God and say, these are the areas in my life that I need to tighten up. Because here's the bottom line. Jesus died for the pain and guilt that you have felt, but he will clean you up. He, he, will, he will bring transformation through the word of God. He will bring illumination through the word of God. And the Holy Spirit, listen to me, we said flee sexual immorality. The Holy Spirit will empower you to overcome the sin that you've done or maybe currently doing. And for the future, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will empower you to overcome in this area. If there's secrets, if, if, there's, if there's behavior behind the scenes, or maybe it's your past. Remember what I said, we're not going back. We are allowing Jesus and the blood of God to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we, baby, are going to cut every soul tie with the word of God. And we're going to break every stronghold with the word of God with this. Why? Because my wife deserves more. My husband deserves more. And all of a sudden now, when you get that mentality, this stuff starts to fall off of you that's been a, that's been a stronghold to you. And all of a sudden now, a new level of intimacy. God ordained sex. But more than that, the depth of spirituality that goes between you and the one that God created for you to be in covenant, covenant with for the rest of your life. Song of Solomon closes it this way. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Notice this next word, awake. In chapter one, we read this a few weeks ago, the Bible says, don't awaken love until it's time. If you see that in chapter one, and you go to chapter four, he says, awake, north wind, and come south wind. What's that mean? It's time. This is their moment. He, he has... He has valued her. He, he, has, he has complimented her. He, he, has, he has brought security to her. He, he, he brings passion and tenderness through this moment. And now he realizes and he's affirming her. And there's holiness in it. And all of a sudden he said, now that that's in place, awaken. It's time for love. 
and says, blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Here's what that means. You ever seen somebody the day after their honeymoon or when they get back? How was their honeymoon? Wonderful. It was great. It was good. It was wonderful. There's joy. There's joy. True joy because of holiness and doing things the right way. This right here, folks, is the highest level of passion that most will never experience because we've missed it. We've equated it with a feeling, not a spiritual depth of connection between a union between a man and a woman that said yes to each other. And all of a sudden now, we've lost our passion. We've lost our security. But today, Jesus wants to heal it. He wants to deliver you from things. He wants to set you free from stuff. Why? Because the highest level of passion that you could ever experience is found in Song of Solomon. Here's the last point is this. God's way isn't just right, it's better. God's way isn't just right, it's better. So I'm not sure about you, but when I read those passages, I'm not interested in the lie of the devil. I'm not interested in him twisting the truth. I'm not interested in the counterfeit. I want the true level of passion and intimacy between me and my wife that we could ever experience than trying it the world's way. So it takes time. It takes effort. It takes love. It takes embrace. It takes security. It takes words of affirmation. It, it takes emotional attachment. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. So if you're willing to take time and move out of the world's standards and begin in your marriage relationship to begin to have godly sex, you won't be looking at her across the cubicle aisle at work. You won't fall into emotional traps and snares of the enemy. Why? Because, listen, as much as the price was paid for you at your highest value, it was paid for your spouse as well. So when you start to see your spouse as somebody that Jesus paid for, and you start to see them through the eyes of God and how God delivered them from sin and set them free, it's the same blood that saved you. All of a sudden now, that, that, that emotional attachment that addiction, some of that stuff that starts to fall off of you. Why? Because you're valuing what God values. Come on, somebody. And when you value what God values, you will get God results in your marriage. Amen, everybody. Listen to me today. If you're in this room, let's close our eyes today. If you're in this room and this issue has brought pain to you, I'm not going to ask for details, but there's pain. Maybe it's past. Maybe it's present. Maybe you're hiding. Maybe there's things you're doing that you need to, to, to stop. If you're in this place today and you say, Jason, I want prayer for those things. I, I need to have prayer for those things. Will you slip up your hand for me? Every, okay. 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 So, Father, I thank you for your healing touch in this room today. Thank you today. You're cutting off strongholds. And, and let me say this to you just real quick because I feel the Lord just saying this to me. The way to break a stronghold is to change your thinking. Thinking is a result of stronghold. So whatever, however you feed your thinking from this moment on determines your level of freedom. 
If you constantly think about failure, you're constantly dwelling on the mistake, all of a sudden now that's going to strengthen the stronghold. What you have to do is replace that with what God says about you moving forward. And as you do that constantly, all of a sudden now that stronghold of negativity is broken. A new positive stronghold of God is brought into your mind. And then that, that helps you walk in the freedom that God has for you. So Lord, the images, the things, the, the places, the, the, the smells, the, the women, the, the men, the, the, the struggle with this area. Lord, I just pray today in Jesus' name for healing. Lord, there's those that are watching today on Facebook that will watch this message. And today, Lord, I ask that they hear the heart of God, that there is purity when we do it God's way, that it's much better at its highest level when we do it God's way. And so today, Lord, I just ask for healing, even across those that are going to watch by Facebook. I just thank you for healing. I thank you for blessing. And I pray today, God, that those strongholds would fall at our feet and at your feet. And from this day forward, Lord God, that we would walk in freedom in this area, that we'd walk in freedom and security and passion and affirmation in this area. And most of all, God, we would live holy before you. And as we value what you value, there'll be that intimacy at the highest level. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.